0: Step into a new era. Hello and welcome to This is iBrox, episode 19. Good evening, my name is Scott Patterson and I'm replacing the the normal host, Martin Douglas, tonight, who is um, celebrating his wee girl Phoebe's birthday. So, in the first instance, happy birthday to Phoebe. Hope she's had a, a fantastic time and I'm sure she's getting treated very well indeed. Tonight, joining me on the pod, the usual professor Thomas McIntyre joins us, and we're joined by the expert of all things youth football, particularly Rangers. Willie Irwin joins us. Hi guys, how are you doing?
1: All oh good, mate.
2: Yeah, great, thank you. I'm going to have to try and put on a professor think from the uh, the point at some point. Um, aye, well this one this one does not button up the back, so uh, <laughs> right, let's, uh, let's move on from there. Well, like, so, good to see you as always, buddy. Good good to you, you too, mate.
0: Indeed, thanks for your time, guys. So, listen, we're going to speak um, about a couple of things tonight. We've obviously lifted a trophy in the past, sort of seven weeks to ten days. The football is very much back in in the forefront of our minds. But I want to uh, begin with the Stuart Robertson statement um, from what feels like a long, long time ago now. Uh, and uh, without sort of really exhausting the point any more than it has been already i i'd just like to say that everyone in the, the this is ibrox stable and the team um absolutely endorse the statement from stuart robertson um you can you can pick through the the small detail or any holes in it that you care to try and look in and find um but the the message is, is quite clear support the players Absolutely support the players. If you can't do that, then Stuart's message is absolutely spot on. You're not just not welcome at Ibrox. Tommy, agree?
2: Yeah, uh, you know, let's not go back into the mire of, of what that is. Everybody's personal politics is personal. Let's, uh, let's get behind what the club are, are doing. Anyone, everyone, Rangers.
0: Yeah, and I mean, Willie, I'm sure this week is actually the anniversary of when we, we kicked off the, the Everyone Anyone uh, campaign from, from last from last year. It's never been so prevalent this week.
1: No, absolutely not. And I think it's something that at the end of the day, the club have had to come out and say certain things because of what's been happening in the world. And, you know, so whether supporters like it or not, this is just the way that things are. and It's the way that the club want things to be. And, and obviously, moving forward, it is, like every single person can come and support Rangers. Anybody can come and support Rangers. Yeah. So we just have to kind of move on. Absolutely. So we have not long started our pre-season.
0: Great to have the football back, we have to say. It's great to see the, the guys out in their new kit and they're, they're doing their jobs. Um, fantastic to see. And of course, we were in France last week, tail end last week and over the weekend for the Veolia trophy. Um First game against Leon, 2 nothing victory. I thought we played really well. I'm looking at my notes here, and the, the three standouts for me on the night, I felt uh, were Hadji, Aribo, and I was really impressed with big George Edmondson uh, at centre-half, Tommy. Uh, what was your take on, on the Leon match? Uh,
2: yeah, really, really positive. Uh, result in a really positive performance I, I think I'm going to be brutally honest and say even though it was a friendly I find it hard to get exercised about them I think I've said that before yeah uh, we're, we're always looking for you know no matter who you're playing depending on the level don't get a bad a really bad result and um, nobody gets injured always the important thing sure we'll touch on that in a minute yeah. um, really high level quality opposition I don't think many people in the heart of hearts would have thought that we'd have beaten Leon they were slightly further ahead in their pre-season training. They've got an exceptional squad. It's a more talented team than us on, on paper. I'm going to save you all that analogy of football's played on grass and all that good stuff. right? Now. Well, I think I just did it. Um, so, yeah, really positive, really good win. And set us up to, obviously, win the, win the trophy and stuff like that. Um, hard to disagree with your, your picks there. I suppose I would probably also drop into the mix that... Um, John McLaughlin. Um, because I you know, I'd given him a bit of a tough time and said, Oh, he's a bit part and all that kind of thing. And he, he won't be Alan McGregor, which he won't be. He'll be playing, you know, Staying fiddle once Alan McGregor's fit again.
0: Yeah.
2: Hard to hard to disagree though that he's put in some really, really good performances that started at that at that point. He's not put a foot wrong. No. Uh, John McLaughlin and his he's maybe given people another wee people like myself. a we um are we uh a reminder, I we re hitch, re hitch up the back to say, Listen, I'm here to win a jersey. Yeah, uh, maybe Alan McGregor should uh, take note of that one as well.
0: Absolutely. Well, I want to speak to you about the the, the Ryan Kent sending off. Um, so letter of the law, he lifts his hands. Um, so you could argue from that case, the refs maybe made the right decision. Personally, I felt the referee could probably have called maybe Stephen Gerrard off and, sit over and said, Listen. I could send him off here. Um, pre-season friendly. Do we need to? Probably not. He was quite quick to 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 get the red out and Ryan Jack had, had an absolute ankle breaker just about five minutes shortly beforehand. Um, bizarre decision for me. I don't know if you agree.
1: Yeah, look, I mean, I don't remember too many red cards and friendlies over the years. <laughs> so I agree with what you're saying, Scott. I think the fact it was right on the touchline, he could have actually just said to Steven Gerrard, look, I would normally send a player off for this in a game. Yeah. If you want to take the player off now or at half time, I would prefer that you did that and it stops anything kind of happening follow. So to red card them, it sort of killed the game really, because you know, I actually felt as though we were playing reasonably well. We'd obviously got a couple of goals. Things were kind of going kind of our way in patches. But then when you lose the player it's had a huge effort for the players after that to then, you know, the energy levels for your first game back, really your first proper game back. Do you have to put that level of energy in for 50, 55 minutes? But, I mean, no only good thing for our point of view is we've played with 10 men quite a few times under Stephen Gerrard, so, <laughs> you know, Michael Bielgis gets a book out and goes, right, that's 4-3-2, guys, back uh-huh. to the usual. Yeah. And, you know what, bizarrely, it actually works. I think we've only really lost, like, one game. Yeah, or something like that since we've dropped into ten players. So it shows you that the work in the training ground does work, although you don't obviously want to have the player saying off first and foremost, you know? Yeah, absolutely.
0: Leon came out in the second half and, and I thought really had us put us under quite a bit of pressure, albeit we, we still had a couple of really decent chances in that second half. Uh Ross McCrory having a, a <laughs> cleared off the line. Um but I, I did think Leon looked really quite impressive in the second half. That aside, Willie, we finished the game with an extremely inexperienced back line. So yeah. Nathan Patterson at right back, Mayo, McCrory and and Bassey yeah. at, at left back who came on to play at left back. I think from a from an academy perspective, the yeah. fact that these three guys from our academy um, held their own so well in that second half and it was good to see Bassey get some minutes into the legs at, at left back and fare really well. I felt, Willie, what do you reckon?
1: Yeah, I thought it was great. I mean, I obviously kind of posted it on Twitter that I thought it was great, you know, especially when Leon decided to bring on Depay and Dembele. Yeah. just going, you know, this is really the sort of test that the academy want. The academy want these boys tested against some of the best players in Europe. And obviously, somebody like Memphis Depay, you know, he's a Dutch international. You've got Dembele who he's a very good striker, regardless of what my other people might say because he's an ex-Celtic player or whatever. I mean the guy's a very good player. Yeah. I thought we dealt with the you know the threats very well. We never really allowed them a, a clear opportunity to score. We were putting our bodies in the line, you know. And Ross kind of dropped him for midfield into centre back, you know, Lewis had a couple of really good headers. Nathan won a couple of good tackles one on one. Um I think Bassie swatted a few guys where like his left pinking <laughs> really kind of thing, you know. We've, I don't, I don't think I've seen a fullback his size before. You he's, know, he's big boy. He's a big, strong lad, and I think the thing that surprised me most over the like the two or three games so far is his pace. You know, I, I know as a fullback you probably should expect somebody to be quick, but for somebody that size to have that much power and pace. That should work in Scotland. When you look at our league, how physical our league is, that guy could be a really good fit in a couple of different systems. Yeah, absolutely. So, it's interesting to see how we utilise him because you get the feeling the manager will be quite happily if I'm at centre-back. He's going to have spoken about that a few times. But, yeah, I was impressed. You know, for us to see it out with a clean sheet was great. And a bit like we were saying earlier on with McLaughlin, I've only really seen a guy at Hearts, so I haven't really seen him much at Sunderland, made a couple of really good saves, and obviously with the, the fact it was pretty much an empty stadium, you could hear him shouting a few times, so he was obviously constantly on at the defence to get high or get out or to push tight, and I think that's important when you've got a young backline, that you've got an experienced goalkeeper that's constantly talking to them.
2: Yeah,
0: absolutely. Tommy, I want to speak to someone who we spoke about quite a lot here, despite him not being at Ibrox last year, um, Ross McCrory. And, and Willie's alluded to the fact that he, he, in the second half, he dropped back from that midfield anchor role into centre half. Um, I think with Ross McCrory, he's going to, have to either have to go out on loan again this year, or he's going to have to find a position and settle there. Um, option A or option B for you, what do you reckon will happen with Ross this season?
2: Oh, that's a—he's put me on the spot. He's put me on his spot right there. So that wasn't
0: in um, the agenda.
2: No, it wasn't, and I don't like things. I don't like surprises. <laughs> I'm a cranky man. I don't like change. <laughs> hey. um, how did you get this number? Um, so I—I I will say I'm—I'm I'm probably now further down the hill in the fact that I'm not entirely convinced Ross McCrory has a future at Rangers. Okay. Um, and I would. I hope he does. Let me be quite clear. I like Ross McCroney, the person. Yeah. I like Ross McCroney in certain aspects. Of the player, I think, still think he gets a wee bit. And when he plays in the midfield role, he gets too tight, gets too easily turned. I think some of his positioning's a wee bit suspect, and some of his passing isn't the fitting of a of a midfielder and centre back. I'm just not. I haven't seen him. Well, I don't naturally think that he is a centre back. To be brutally honest with you. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I would love him to be able to stay and love him to make a place. And I think maybe the circumstances at Rangers right now means that he's probably got a right good chance, you know, Nikola Katic and all that kind of stuff. And he's a bit of a utility player. Um, but do I think that he's actually going to really make it? I'm not entirely convinced of that. Um, so I think he needs to go somewhere else, improve himself, and then come back in. I think he's definitely in the same place as your Greg Doherty's and stuff like that, whereby and I imagine, and I can't speak in behalf of all the Rangers' support, but they have all the goodwill of the fans in their pocket. I mean, I don't know anybody that doesn't any want a Ross McCrory and a Greg Doherty to be really standout guys and be in that starting 11 every week. They are, they are our guys, but I'm just not entirely convinced that they have the quality or that
1: they've caught Gerald's eye. Well, um, a big season for Ross McCrory, isn't it? Yeah, it's massive. I mean, At the end of the day, if Ross was to go out and loan this season, like Tommy's saying, he would come back with one year left in his contract. So, I mean, it is make or break. If Ross probably doesn't play enough games this season, then there probably really is an option at the end of that. Because, you know, I sort of doubt they would extend his contract again. So, it would probably be that he would have to move on at the end of the season. I mean, I'm Ross's biggest fan. I've obviously watched Ross for several years now, and I think he's a really good player. I feel as though the kind of moving him into midfield when Steven Gerrard took over, I mean, it worked to an extent because Ross is really good at breaking up the play, but he's not what you'd consider a proper midfield player. Yeah. You know, he's not got like, the natural ability that the midfield players have naturally got. You know, he's almost kind of forced into that position. For me, he's always going to be a defender and in terms of whatever league he plays in. Some teams will think he's not big enough or strong enough to play centre-back. Some of them might put him in at right-back like Pompey's ended up doing. But I just don't see...
2: Sorry, just a, sorry to interrupt. Just a question to you, to you, William, because you have seen him so much and you've seen him develop and you've seen that kind of first-team movement back and forward, so more than any of us. I'm just wondering, so a question to you then, um, leaping off the back of Scotts to me, if you're looking at your McCrory, well, you're looking at your Goldson, Katic, I know he's injured at the moment, right? Your Katic, your Bassey, your Hellander, your Edmondson. Can we cut it with that crew in the current squad?
1: Well, it would probably appear as all in the manager's thoughts, probably not. You know, if everybody's fit, Ross probably isn't in the top four centre backs. Mm. You know, and the fact that Nathan's been given a small squad number ahead of Ross would probably suggest that he thinks that Nathan's probably going to start ahead to at right back as well if needed. Yeah. So, If you start adding things up and you start looking at the kind of general play and how the manager likes to play and who he's got in these positions, you would probably say that the likelihood of Ross leaving this summer or next summer is probably getting higher and higher and higher. And it's probably just unfortunate for the kid in that his versatility is actually what's hurting him because he's played in a couple of different positions. And because we've probably got better players in each of those positions that he probably needs to go somewhere have a set position and then have a career off that. Aye,
2: aye. I'm always of the opinion that smaller side there. But um, can it get you both of your guys' opinions? I, I always think that it's fine to be a utility player, but yeah. you, you have to become one later on after having had a position like a yeah. James Milner. Absolutely, being something and then become utility because you're really good. You can't start utility because you never land. No, absolutely. Let a club and nails something down. I, I've always thought that. and I think you're absolutely right, William. Ross has fallen into that utility bucket right now. And he's he's no better than anybody else at the right back, the centre back, the midfield. No, I think
1: yeah. that's fair. I mean, like, I don't think anybody could sit here and argue that point. I mean, I would love to argue the point because I say I'm a big fan of Ross's, But, you know, you've got to look at the big picture. You know, with at James Stavenier that's our captain at right back. He's not going to start ahead of him. If Hellander and Golson are fit. He's no starting ahead of those two guys. And the whole the midfield role, Ryan Jack, Stephen Davis, Glenn Kamara. So you I mean Ross probably has to look at it himself and think, you know, do I want to be a bit part player here and maybe play 10 games this season, 12 games this season? Is that is that really going to benefit my career? And it probably isn't. So from his point of view, it probably is the time. But the problem you've got at the moment is obviously the transfer market's a bit up in the air. Some seasons have just finished. I mean, Rangers might need to hold on to some of these guys until September, maybe October, yeah. and then make a decision because we obviously have Europe coming up with the league campaign starting. We can't afford to just shove everybody out the door and then have nobody coming in the other side. And this is the problem the manager's got. He's almost having to keep everybody happy yeah. until everybody's back in training. Some leagues are back you know, players have had a wee short break potentially. It's a horrible yeah it's yeah. actually a horrible situation for the club. I know folk want new signings now, but some guys have just finished a league and they'll say, Well I maybe want ten days off in holiday. So yeah, absolutely.
2: The bean counters the bean counters need that as well. Just Aye, just no. into that um uh, before you know Scott jumps back in but just a wee a wee book into that that maybe that will have an impact on Potentially, is people like Ross actually staying at the club because you know I think we can be brutally honest. Ross probably doesn't cost the club a lot no. per week, and you know uh, against other players that may be brought in, he can be a bit of a utility. I still don't think the quality's there if I'm brutally honest, but he might be one of those ones that Gerard and his coaching staff keep in their back pocket because it's a relatively low cost. Yeah. You can chuck this boy in for the ten games on a wet Wednesday night when there's yeah. are the chance of injuries and all that kind of good stuff. Um, I, maybe that plays in his favour, but yeah. To answer your question, Scott, I think he goes out in loan, or if a decent offer comes in, he goes. Yeah, yeah I agree. I do
0: agree. Still on the um, the Leon game, Tommy. I, I thought Yanis uh, Hadji and Aribo were really, really good for forty-five minutes, regardless of it being the first game of pre-season. I thought they were excellent.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. And I think we'll hear that those two names a couple of times uh, in the rest of the podcast as, as yeah. well. Um, I mean, if people wonder why, if they're watching on YouTube and they wonder why my eyes are darting about the um, uh, about the screen, it's because I've, I've not recovered from watching Joe Arebo's um, <laughs> feet. Honestly, Pin- pinball wizard stuff. Um, uh, Joe Bo Aribo Anderson. Um, <laughs> or, or <laughs> um, as to be said. But uh, yeah, Haji looks like he's, he, I mean, it's not, I know it's only a couple of friendlies, right? But he looks like he's done the reverse of Ryan Kent. Uh, that he's, and I'm not going to go at Ryan there, but what I mean is, he's come in and done an all right job on loan, and now he's signed permanently, and he's got even better. Um, You know, went the other way with with Ryan a wee bit, but, um, yeah, Haji looks like an absolute missing piece of the puzzle, Mm. Um, and I think that's more important than just his individual talent. It looks like he actually really knows the shape, and is really what we needed in there, and Aribo is starting to show, even, you know, at this early stage, exactly why Gerald and the club really went after him um, and why Charlton were really annoyed because there was a big fee that they could have had there. He looks dynamic. I think he'll still be a bit frustrating throughout the season. Yeah. Um, I think he's always going to be one of those guys. Uh, the bookend to that as well is where is he absolutely going to end up playing? Is he slightly further forward? Can a pure centre mid be made of Joe Rebo? I still don't think that's the case. I think he does need to play with the ability to break into the box because he will win some amount of penalties, in my opinion, over the course of his career, because he is his feet are absolutely phenomenal. But yes, two dynamite players and dynamite performances.
0: So Willie, I, I thought the 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 four of um, Tommy, you're absolutely right. We speak about these guys, particularly Hadji and Aribo, quite a bit tonight. Um I thought Haji, Aribo, Kent, and and uh, Alfredo, of course, uh, looked really quite dangerous as a foursome. Um, for the amount of time they were together against Leon, um, you would imagine they're all certain starters for the next couple of weeks. I would
1: think. Yeah, well, I think when you look at the teams that have played so far, and obviously most of the team that we see last year, I think there's maybe only one or two positions that maybe the managers having a wee thought in the back of his mind that he might do something. But certainly that kind of front four, you know, I know people are talking about this four-two-three-one, you know. But the problem with that is, you know, Joe's not going to play that high up the pitch in a 4 two, 3 one. He's not going to be the number 10. He would end up having to get shunted wide. Yeah. But the fact we play the 4-3-3 three, three actually allows more freedom for Joe in the middle of the park because it allows somebody like Glenn or Ryan to sit a bit deeper and break up the play. And it, and it allows him to do what Tommy said, which, you know, he's a street footballer. See when you watch what he does with the ball, that's not something you can teach somebody.
0: Yeah,
1: absolutely. That's just, know that's this raw ability. You know some of the stuff that he's done. I think it was one of the first times I properly watched him was when we played. I think it was like the first or the second qualifying round last year in Europe, and I was actually getting dizzy with the pirouettes and the spins and the stepovers. And but then he's got that composure in front of goal. Yeah, yeah, keep keep it natural. Yeah, he's a natural ability to like, passes the ball into the back of the net. He doesn't really strike the ball. He almost just passes it. He caresses it past the goalkeeper. And, yeah, I think what Tommy says is spot on. I can understand why Charlton were really pissed off when they lost him. Absolutely. For, like, two hundred thousand pounds because I don't know what kind of figure Rangers would put on a Rebo, but the fact he's English in terms of, like, his background, so he'd be as a homegrown player for them. Yeah. You know, I mean... Is Ted Bowie an unrealistic figure for Arebo? I don't think it is. I think when you see the money that gets spent down in England for for guys that are in squads, you know, and Joe I Joe could be a game-changer. Yeah,
2: I think you're right, William. He's in, you know what? Yeah, I don't know that. He's now played in Europe. He's become yeah. a full Nigerian cap. Yep. Um, multiple cap now. Scored for Nigeria. I think his first goal was against Brazil. Brazil. Actually. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think you're absolutely right. And I think that's a really key point you make about the I was thinking that actually uh, I don't want to jump in my head, but thinking about it about it during the Motherwell game, he doesn't snatch at the ball in the box. It does okay. take him his time. Um and I think yeah, I think he's got all the he's got all the talent in the world, to be honest with you. I was just about to laugh though when you said street footballer, because you made me think of Harry Forrester. And there's <laughs> a big difference <laughs> between well,
1: yeah, I think, Harry Forrester and um, I think the thing we are equal. I think he's the sort of guy that probably grew up in an area where maybe he was just kicking the ball against a wall, and he's just naturally found that ability to use, you know, like both feet, you know, how to glide by players, how to, you know, like hold off players. And the one thing that surprises me that people don't really talk about him. See, when you look at him physically, he's a strong lad. You know, he yeah. didn't really get bumped off the ball that often. So you know, he's really got about everything. He's really got what you want in a proper midfield player. And the fact we got this guy for hundred thousand
2: pounds, I mean, it's unbelievable business yeah. to the club. Oh, it? You, you, ab- absolutely, you know, Um, absolutely buttons. I, you, you know, you took the words out of my mouth uh, when I was going to say, he's got the, the physicality for the battle, and he doesn't easily get, you know, he's not a pirouette, he's not a, I'm not going to go the guy, but he's not an Ovi um, so to speak. But just to answer your point there, I I think, if I remember correctly, he came up playing cage football. Yeah, yeah he did. Right, so that tight enclosed space where you need to work your way by the man. It's not, you know, hit it and run no, past no, him yeah. because you've got thirty, forty, fifty yards to run into. This is all about make the guy twist inside and then go by him. So that's side that's where he's come up through and it yeah. absolutely shows dynamic for a big guy, man.
1: Absolutely dynamic, dynamic. Yeah, his feet. It's his speed his feet that that shocked me. You know, a bit like a Roman talking about like Bassi with that power and pace.
0: Yeah.
1: But uh, like with Aribo, the quickness of his feet. I mean, see if any defender looks at Aribo's feet. He'll be by them before he even looks properly. Yeah. Get him on strictly. That wee burst of pace it takes. I mean, the goalie scored against Hibs. That was just a lovely wee burst of speed into the box, and then like the composure to just pick the, you know, the shot into the top corner. Yeah. You know that for me said everything about Aribo, and you can see why the manager kind of pulse when he talks about Aribo because he knows that that kid could be something special. And yet again. You know, like the transfer market's open. Somebody could come in and offer a silly amount of money for Joe. Yeah. I, the end of the day. I don't know if the club would want to lose him. But I guess like every other transfer or somebody comes in and offers you silly money. You know, the club have got to look at it and that's just the way it is. Well, if people like it or not. Uh, we are a yeah. selling club. We will sell our best players for good money at some point.
2: I think he's a Yeah, I think he is. A, like you say, if a selling bid comes in, but I think he's an integral part. I think so. I so let's say... I'll reverse Gerard's words a wee bit and say I'll keep a little bit
0: of Joe Arriba. Uh, <laughs> uh, there we go. So, I, and I, th- I think is I, th- I think you're right, Tommy. I think he is going to be quite integral to what we do this season. Um, <clears throat> but I think if there's there's ever been a week where Joe Arriba wonders if he's made the right decision to leave Charlton to come up to Scotland, <laughs> it's definitely this week. Yeah. Um, second game, uh, the Viola Trophy was was uh, another. 2-0 victory for us, uh, a very nice victory against Nice. Um, Defoe and Jamie Barjonas coming out of seemingly nowhere to score uh, and, and getting quite good press from from his performance as well. I personally thought it was really good to see Jermaine Defoe get an hour on the park. He did look as if he was, was struggling as as that hour progressed. and He's, he's someone who will we'll come to again later after his appearance in the Motherwell game. Uh, I, <laughs> Big thing for me from that trophy is that I think for all it was a wee trophy and it's nothing that the guys are ever going to sort of shout loud about. I think psychologically, it perhaps gives them a, a bit of a boost to say, you know, as a group, as a squad, we can win things. We we do have the ability to go to that next level and, and win something because to date, they've just not done it, Tommy.
2: Yeah, you're absolutely right. So... You know, without going down the without, down the slope of sports psychology and all that good stuff, Um if I link is back to as close as we've come to maybe perhaps one particular trophy and not got over the line, sometimes it's about small steps. This team just has to know what it's like to actually get there. Now, I'm not overstating the Veolia Trophy, right? We all know it's a friendly trophy, right? But winning something, doing it with Two victories, one in particular, the Lyon one over a top side. Nice were a slightly different. I'm not saying they're not a good side, but they've got more of a physicality, so you have to play both sides of the coin. But doing it with two clean sheets, scoring in both games, doing you know winning the trophy legitimately, not being you know can kind of it. well, I was I was going to go a two hander insult, <laughs> but you've, you've uh, you beat me to the punch. But you know, beating both teams. Right, taking on two really good teams, beating them, doing it with two clean sheets, which sets a great momentum for the for the back the back five, right? Code keeper. A um, couple of goals, particularly for your midfielder, and, you know, um, yeah, Berjonis. Great yeah. wee shout out to, to him as well. Um, but, yeah, psychologically, what have you done? You've went abroad, you've went to the continent, you've beat two good teams, you've done it legitimately, you've got your hands on something, you've got a wee taste of what it's like. You just need to keep that in your mind yeah. when things are getting tough, and when you're getting to the the sticky bits of the season and the sticky bits of the the tournaments that we're going to be in. Um, yeah, I think the only one that, by and large, probably you put to one side is the um, the Leverkusen Europa League game. I'm, yeah. I'm willing to give the, the, the squad a bit of a buy, a bit of a buy. <laughs> but the rest of it, they need to keep the idea of what it was like to actually be there and say, oh, you won this by defeating teams on the park. That's really important for this sport, really important.
0: Willie, I want to speak to you about um, Jamie Burjonas. Uh, so he's been on the periphery at Rangers now for what feels like a, a good couple of seasons, and he's, he's had a, a couple of loan spells out, some successful, some not so much. Um, Gerard seems to quite like him. I, I personally think he's he's going to be one of these guys that's going to go out and get game time for maybe six months elsewhere. Uh, but what can you tell us about Jamie Berjonas? If someone's listening to us right now, how would you describe Jamie Berjonas as a footballer?
1: He's a really good footballer. You know, I think he's one of these guys It's it's never been about ability, I think, with Jamie. I think some of these people have kind of questioned when he's been out on loan that he's not shown the ability that he's got. And a couple of the loans have been kind of poor loans. I think the one loan it was probably... Decent loan for him was the one at Rafe Rovers, where he got a decent amount of game time, and he did okay. But I mean, Jamie in terms of you know, he's got a really good range of passing. He can strike a ball for distance. He scored a couple of really good goals. Yeah, I'm sure, most people probably seen the one that he scored against Wrexham, at Highbrook, so He can yeah. bend it really at the edge of the box past the goalkeeper. Cracker. The memory, I think, he scored down at Solihull that night as well. Um, I mean, he's a really good footballer, Jamie. I think the problem that he's got is yet again just the amount of midfield players that we've got. Yeah. And yet again, he's another guy that's in his last year. So, you know, if Jamie's not going to play enough this year, is it the right thing to keep him for another year when he's going to be, I think, like 22 next year and not play a lot of games? Or is it best to allow him to just move on? A bit like, obviously, we gave Zach a year and then we ended up selling Zach Ruddon for a fee. Yeah. I wonder if they would do that with Jamie. The only problem in Scotland is, is there any other clubs that are going to pay Rangers a fee for Jamie? Yeah, that's probably the problem that Rangers have. So I'm not really too sure how many games he would play. Um, I mean, I would kind of feel as though putting him into the B team wouldn't really be that beneficial for him at his age.
0: Yeah.
1: So everything kind of points towards either going out and loan, and then maybe signing for that club permanently, or just leaving permanently to a club where he's going to play regularly
0: do you think that um and I'm trying to word this properly without sounding silly about it but we we've spoke a lot about the the sort of pathway throughout sort of up to current b team and then into the first team yeah. um it's clearly really important that when these guys reach 21 22 and they're on that periphery of in between the b team and the first team that they don't just go stale and uh, is largely lost to the game I think we've got quite a few players on our squad just now that are really on the verge of that just now.
1: Yeah, look, it's it's so difficult up here in terms of how the system works. I mean, obviously the club have now kind of rebranded the you know development team, a B team. Yeah. So it's probably going to be slightly similar to what Brentford have done, maybe, because they're going to maybe do a bit of travelling for some games or we'll bring teams up to England or play some teams in Scotland, maybe some first teams in Scotland if they can. But the problem you have is when players get by under-18 level, there's just a big gap, yeah. 18 level to first-team level. Now, this is where England have expanded that They've got an under-23 league, where guys that are 18 can play in that league for a year and then go out and loan for two or three years and then come back as a 22-year-old or a 23-year-old start playing. And that's what we don't have that up here. We don't have that option of doing it with players. You know, I'm pretty sure if the club... Could have done that, would have kept like Ryan Hardy and had him out alone for another year or two or with Barge, will give him another long loan. But yeah. then people start going, well, the guy's 22-year-old now and he's played three first-team games or four first-team games. What's, what's that good for? Yeah, This is a problem the club have got. They don't... That was why getting the Colts team was really the big thing for the club. They really wanted it and I think they still do. But we get seem in this country quite unprepared to do that, which is crazy considering so many other countries in Europe do it. Yeah. But like, we're actually holding players back.
0: Well, that's what I was going to say. So I was going to come to you next, Tommy, and say at at 21 and 22, should should we be looking to, to have some of these guys as first team squad regulars, as opposed to guys that suddenly appear every pre-season and then disappear off to Wraith Rovers for six months?
2: Well, I think it's a hard yes. I mean, it, ha- it has to be. So, If you take that line by line, well, one, you need to show the players the the, dynamic pathway to elite performance that that William references there. Um, uh, And the the other players that you want to join your academy because other teams are after them need to see that because they need to know they're going to get great facilities. We've got that, check. Great coaches, we've got that, check. A really sought-after structure that is now starting to be mirrored by other clubs, check. Really innovative, check. Okay, the final part of that puzzle is Show me your academy players who've made it into the first team. Mm, uh, we yeah. might get back to you at the moment, uh, but also, you know, you get into the question of, you know, not all that's the academy's fault. You know, academies, by and large, take a couple of years. Particularly the amount of effort the Rangers have put into this and where it's come from, it wasn't going to be a conveyor belt immediately. So some of those players we're talking about, you know, being in and amongst it, and maybe just aren't aren't good enough, but. Yeah, ultimately, as well, sort of saying line by line, another link to that is, you know, the business model is absolutely based on two things, you know, buying cheap and selling high, and developing your own players and eventually selling them high as well. Correct, you know, of course. That has to be the that has to be the model for any Scottish club, um, or most clubs out with a big, big uh, Premiership money. Um, uh, unless you're backed by the Spanish government, obviously, um, if you're a different type of club. But that's, let's not go down that particular route uh, right now. Um, So, yeah, and then you ask the question of, OK, why are these players, when it comes to that age part, I mean, I'm not a professional trainer or academy coach or anything, but, you know, if if a player is showing the potential, then you want to see them in and around the first team squad. However, and I'll default to, to William here to an extent as well, because he's closer to that world. You still do have to look after the player in terms of physicality, and you don't want to put them into an environment where yes, they have the talent, but much like I think a really good example is maybe Dappo and Booty, um, who came on and you know scud straight away and welcome to the big the big boys leagues. That's that's how we do it in the pros, shooter McGavin style. Nice wee, nice wee um uh movie reference there for anybody who's interested. (laughs) Um so I the short answer. Uh, that I know everybody always wants uh, when I pick up a question is, yeah, of course we we all want to see our young players in the blue jersey scoring, making tackles, doing the thing, and eventually either being club servants for the long haul or going and making the club money. Right, handshakes all around. Are we there yet? Well, maybe we're just starting to see that, and maybe we need to draw a line. And again, I'll I'll stop in a moment because I think Williams get you know much better placed here, but. Maybe we're just starting to see the crossover. We've spoken about maybe the old guard, your Bar Jonas, your McCrorys, and maybe we need to turn our focus just slightly to your Pattersons, your Mayos, these guys, because they've come through a slightly different structure, a slightly different uh, history of the club in terms of an infrastructure. As the future, maybe we need to stop looking at the past.
0: Willie?
1: Yeah, look, I mean, I Anybody that's obviously seen me kind of talking on Twitter, I find it really difficult to see anything negative about any of the, but like, the boys that have come through the academy, because like you see the effort they've put in, and the hours they put in up at the academy, the training, the amount of hours our parents spend driving them up and down all yeah. over the country. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I feel hot when I see guys leave. Like, I was like gutted when I saw like Ryan Wool left, when Matty Yates left. Because, like, for all you're not, like, their parents, you become almost attached to the boys because you want to see them do well. You want to see them make that next step. And I'm like that with, like, Ross and Jamie. You know, so the day that these two guys do leave, I'll be gutted because, you know, you've seen them for the last five, six years or whatever it is now, progress, get a chance in the first team, go out and loan. And you just wish that one guy could come in and just make that spot his own. And what Tommy's saying is true. You know what? Like Nathan at the moment probably is like the beacon in terms of where he is in the first team. How the manager sees him. I mean, the manager loves Nathan. And I think like Nathan's one of these guys. If Nathan has a good six months, Rangers will probably reward them with a new deal. And I think they would have loved to have done that with Kai as well, potentially. And yeah. that's just you know, it's difficult at academy level. We really, really do need a kind like, like, of but like I filter almost for the A-teams into the first team. There needs to be something in between, and at the moment there's not. And I, as I said, so I back to what I said a couple of minutes ago. This B team is going to be almost a backup plan in the short term until they can get a Colts team, because I think they're going to try and get as many first teams as they can playing against the B team. Yeah. Or how yeah. many top oppositions? And you know what? As I said to you like prior to us starting this recording tonight, I really don't care that we lost to Dundee United. We see for some of the young guys like Leon King that might come on at 16, or Charlie Lindsay come on at 16, or yeah, Alex Lowry at six, uh, 17, 18, sorry. That's brilliant. And for their guys coming on against guys in the Dundee United first team, that's fantastic. That's what we want. That's why Mayo playing against Dembele and Nathan Patterson playing against Depay. That's what we want. Yeah. See if the guys take a couple of hiding's, well, then they'll learn from it. You know, it's not always about one in five nothing, because that achieves nothing. But when mean, there's under eighteen scouting scud somebody five, six, seven, nothing. You're like, oh that's great, guys, great result. You know what? It means absolutely nothing.
0: Don't learn anything from it. I, I no, do completely agree. And this yeah. is
1: one of the problems that, like like I've been doing the updates now for a few years and like also I see a lot of the messages that come through, and go, oh, that was a great result, nine nothing against somebody. I think going, see to be honest, that result means nothing. It's three points in the bag for the league. But in reality, that's not what the academy wants. The academy would rather have a really, really tough 2 one win, or like a batch to the 1-0 win where they've yeah. got to learn to do something different in the game. They've got to put in an extra tackle. They've got to run that extra yard. They've got to think like within the game. Yeah. That was why these best versus best games were brilliant. I mean, Some of the opposition that we've played against at the training ground have been brilliant. You know, like teams come and play flat back freeze. We don't really see that in Scotland a huge amount. Some teams using wing-backs, you know. Um, I am have to catch like the highlights of the game over in Amsterdam against Ajax. See for our boys to go over there and beat them. That is a hell of a thing to do. Yeah. yeah. You know what? Because yeah. Ajax are one of the best academies in the world. And anytime you can beat an academy like that shows that we've got a lot of things right. Correct. Well, as you,
2: as you say, you know, it's it's... It's experienced football as opposed to just get results that that flatter yourselves or or get you flattered on Twitter. There Mm -hmm. has to be that framework of let's try something different, let's play against different systems, let's make sure that if the call comes, you can go up a level and play for the first team or when you go into training with the first team, you're not embarrassed or you're not overawed or you fit in seamlessly. And Ultimately, if your career isn't at Rangers, because that's part of the academy as well, if your career, career isn't here, you are set up in the best possible way to go and carry your career on somewhere else because Rangers have a responsibility like that to the players as well. As a wee aside, one thing that I really like the idea of, and I think it was last season, and I can't remember who I read it with when they left. I think it was one of those younger gentlemen that you referenced, William. But uh, it was just a slight wee bit, um, and maybe an interview with the... the, the um, it was either Craig McHolland or whatever. And they were saying, when a player does leave, our academy puts together... Uh, a clip show of that player for them so they can give that to their agent and pass that out to other clubs. And I thought that's, that's a fantastic little thing. And they help them with a pack of essentially trying to sell themselves. And you think that's a it sounds like a small thing, but that's a massive help to those boys, yeah. uh, you know, and girls, I imagine, there as well, from the yeah. Gills um, in terms of trying to further their career. And get ahead and get that get that next step it's just a lovely wee story that you know yeah just look, I think came back my mind
1: I think the academy wonder eh, Craig Holland is a really good place for a lot of people. I know some parents probably aren't happy when they're you know when their boys aren't playing, I understand they're probably going to chop the door and ask the question why they're not playing, and you know well, I find it difficult, as I said to open like, so when Matty Yates left, for instance, like I say, I spoke to his dad, like at most games, just kind of hello, how you doing, like, the usual stuff. So when that guy says to you that Matty's leaving and you're probably not going to see him again, but you spent like two or three years talking to this guy, like almost every single week, and then all of a sudden he's not there. Or a bit like Kai Kennedy's dad, too, like you see quite regularly at the games, you'll say hello, how's it going? How's Kai, etc.? He potentially now we might never see his dad again. Yeah, And it's tough because like in most other walks of life you'll see people regularly for a long, long time. In football it's not like that. You know, a boy can be there one week and the next week he's gone. And like there's no to anybody from your point of view. It's just, you know, they're gone. Yeah, And that's like the tough side of football. And that's something that hangs like a lot of players, maybe when they grow up at the Academy Rangers and they've got the facilities and things like that. And then they go somewhere else and it's like, oh, where am I here? You know, I've maybe no put in enough effort at some points. I've not done enough to stay. And it's a reality check for some players. And I think that's why like the loan deals can work for some players, because it can push them on to say, you know what, I want to get back to the academy. I want to get back to the angels. I want to use the best facilities in the country. You know, and that's a big thing.
0: Yeah. Okay. So I want you both to, you both referenced Kai Kennedy there. I want him, he should, I think at the next bit be in your mind. After the Vouleer trophy, which we, we won, ticker tape everywhere, blah blah blah. Um Stephen Gerard, his post match stuff was was quite scathing. And of maybe some bits and pieces that was going on in the academy as far as maybe guys believing they're in a a position before they're actually in the position. Um it just so happens to have came out at the same time where we've had the 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 speculation about um, Kai's contract Willie um, Steven Gerrard didn't really miss and hit the wall with that comment did he?
1: Yeah I mean to honest, I didn't actually hear the interview until kind of later on so by the time that I had kind of popped on to social media it was obviously the kind of talk of the city you know and I was a bit like well what's happened and then obviously I seen the interview I listened to what the manager had to say and it's probably the first time in two years that I've really heard them saying such a thing yeah. So, you know, it's obviously got to a point, whether it's Kai or it's other players, It feels as though something needs to be said. And it's, it's tough because for a lot of people on the outside, including myself, because I don't know exactly what's happening. It's, you know, you're guessing what the manager's saying in terms of who he's saying it to or who it's about. I think most people will two and two together and say it's Kai, but my gut instinct is it probably just isn't Kai. Okay. And there might be a few other players yeah. as well. Because see, at the end of the day, whether people like it or not, money's part of football, even at 16, 17, 18 years old. And if you've got agents involved in the game who can make more money by letting a player go somewhere else, they'll do it. And I understand the club probably got annoyed with this kind of thing, but it's just the nature of the game. I would be gutted to see go. Kai Kai's an unbelievable talent. And the fact the manager had him in with the first team in pre season and he was one of the first ones back in with the team. And so whatever's happened between then and now, it's obviously something big enough. The fact that he's now kind of dropped back into kind of training with the, you know, with the B team again. I was kind of slightly taken aback that he started the game against Dundee United. Yeah. Because if yeah. everything that was said was true on Twitter, Kai would probably never have played for Rangers ever again. Yeah. So it's probably that kind of in between, you know, Kai's a money grabbing this guy, or there just needs to be a chat between the manager and the player. And this is the problem with social media. It's like things kind of grow two arms and two legs within 15 minutes.
0: Yeah.
1: And everything's out of control. But the God's honest truth is, I don't know exactly what's going on with Kai. And it's probably only really Kai, maybe his agent and his dad, and certain people at the club that really know what's actually going on. Yeah. But if Kai didn't have a future at the club in like sort of any capacity whatsoever, like none, why would he even play him against Dundee United? Especially starting them. Indeed, I mean there maybe there's maybe a chance of like a sort of resolution to the thing. Or there might not be. But I don't know if we'll ever find out the whole truth about what's actually happened. But just get back to your point, I just don't think it's just about Kai. I think there's possibly Another few players in there that maybe we're then the last year of their contract.
0: Yeah. Maybe they're
1: looking about, seeing what else is there, what money's there, what clubs are interested. Maybe the manager's heard about this going on through agents, and he's felt the need to, you know, to say something like that after a a first team game, really. Yeah. Right. You know?
2: that's, that, that's it. Sometimes you need to. Sorry, Scott. Sorry. Yeah we have all been there. You're managing teams or you're managing people or your everyday life or whatever. And yeah, all the focus was on Kai Kennedy. I'm not going to run over the same ground that William's run over there. He's a talent. Uh, I think we spoke about this last week as well. He's a talent. Do you do what you can to keep him? Yes. Do you shake the structure of the academy wage structure to keep one player? No. Has he anything but potential? That's all he is right now. Full stop. Um, but I think William's obviously right as well. Sometimes it's nice to put a shot across everybody's bows. Yeah, Maybe there's just been a deeper thing of people looking at Kai Kennedy in the academy and going, well, if he's slacking, and I'm not saying he was right, I'm not casting aspersions about Kai Kennedy's professionalism or anything like that, but if he's slacking, I'm going to slack. And then you get that chain of rot that you need to stamp on. So sometimes you just need to be the manager and you need to come in and you say, do you know what? And we love this phrase as Rangers fans. These standards don't slip for the first team, to the juniors, or whatever you want to call them, right, the unders. Everybody trains the same way, that's as professionals. Everybody acts the same way, that's as professionals. And everybody does their job as a Rangers player. If you can't get on board with those simple aspects and those simple tenets of how you comport yourself, no matter how talented you are, nobody's bigger than the club. Doors that way, we'll fill your jersey with somebody else.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was going to come to you there, Tommy, and say I, I thought... um Stephen Gerrard was was really quite candid when he spoke about it and the message was clear um, if if you if you want to be involved in the first team you you can be involved with the first team but your application has to be better than good yeah. um, and I, I think the fact that he sh- he's shown such good trust in Nathan Patterson and, and Lewis Mayo probably are the two guys in the first instance that you look at and really guys that Kai Kennedy should be looking at and saying if these guys are doing something I'm not then I need to really give myself a bit of a shake and, and and get involved with these guys because I think, well, he's absolutely right. He, he's commented on, on Gerard involving him in the first team squad last year. Um, so I he, he clearly rates him and, and sees a bit of a player there. Uh, it would be good for a reconciliation, but as you rightly say, Tommy, at the moment, it's potential. Um, and you just don't know how good he's going to be.
2: Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's exactly it. And, you know, nobody's saying that I think Well, I think we are all saying, in a perfect scenario, Kai Kennedy signs another long-term contract with Rangers, develops his career, breaks into the first team, starts banging in goals and setting up goals. Fine. Right. Right. We all know that. But the club will not be held to ransom by anybody. It's as yeah. simple as that. Quite frankly, we can't, we can't be. No club should, because then you just get something rotten at the core of it, right? And quite frankly, I don't want Rangers to be like that. Yeah. right? And nobody's bigger than the badge right? in the club and what we're trying to achieve. And the new era and the future and stuff like that. And again, I'm not having a go at Kai Kennedy personally. No, no. I've got a in my bonnet about the way the football players act in general. Yeah. And quite frankly, all Kai Kennedy's done is had some good games at his level, which is not first team, had a really good Outcast Cup. And if he's being flattered by other clubs and frothed, um, for want of a better word, by his agent, well that's it with the Ranger, uh, Rangers' control. You know, yeah. I go back to if anybody's ever read things like the Jerk syndrome and stuff like that. You know, you kinda keep people who don't want to be there and you kinda keep people when only play in the team game. Football's a team game. So I the, the Academy should work accordingly and I three cheers for Stephen Gerrard for being so blatant in his shots to the entire development squad, shall we say?
0: Here, here. Um so good start to pre season. I think we all agree. Uh, two really tough games, Leon and Nice. Um, zero goals conceded, great stuff. Uh, and then we have the, the the kind of the unusual scenario last night of playing at an empty Ibrox against a Premier League team in a friendly. Um, decent, very very decent forty five minute performance against Motherwell. Tommy, talk us through the the Wednesday night football.
2: Well, uh, as is my usual, so uh, instead of going to the the game, and I did, I kept looking at my seat every time uh, the the camera <laughs> went by it, and I'm, I'm pretty sure it looked sad. I felt sad that I should be sitting uh, in it, my section. Uh, uh, I know some of the boys from my section listening to this, they will have been delighted have to be to to my chat, <laughs> um, to be honest with you. But yeah, it, really s- strange atmosphere. We we all, we all know that. I'm not going to wax lyrical about the playing behind closed doors, not like an announcement, but um. Hi, uh, interesting we preamble to the game with the is it on, is it not? We're all going to surprise you. <laughs> uh, uh, and I mentioned that because um, just whilst we've been recording, uh, I think it's seven uh, backroom staff and coaches have been tested positive for COVID 19 at St. Mirren. So they're wow. in lockdown as a club this Real evening. Deal. Yeah, so that's going to have ramifications potentially for the, the calendar, so to speak. So interesting how that develops in the coming days. Uh, and that has just I think it just happened. It just been flagged up about ten minutes ago, actually.
0: Ten little for Celtic.
2: Yeah, well, uh, there we go. Uh, Neil Doncaster will be on the phone saying we need to, we need, we need to end this. Um, so anyway, I'm, go, I'm going slightly off track there, but that, that's that's one for the watching. Um, Rangers. It's, I, I always hate it when people say oh, it was a stroll uh, and we and we battered them and all that, right? Because there's always more to it than that. But it
1: boy. was a stroll, and we and we battered
2: them. Uh, that first forty-five minutes was an absolute canter, and. Uh, Again, you know, we, were, we were chatting before we started recording. Uh, what was really impressive for me is, and we pick out the individual performances that we go through and the way that Rangers' shape dominated Motherwell's. I remember a time when Motherwell had a bit of physicality that scared Rangers' teams. Certainly yeah. didn't feel that way all night. Um, and although they did try, there were some wild tackles for a friendly. As it was, You could see the Motherwell players getting really wound up and wanting yeah. to on them. Uh, but it was also the way that we dominated Motherwell's shape we dominated them individually, but we were constantly, from the first minute, forward-facing, front foot, right on top of them. Muldo couldn't breathe. They, they didn't do anything. They had a couple of half-chances in that first 45 minutes, which were really our fault, slacking off a wee bit. Um, but the most impressive thing, as I said you know, off-camera, was as much as the domination was for that first 45 minutes, you felt, or certainly I did watching it, Rangers had two, maybe three extra gears, that they could have went into if, if, uh, if Motherwell had put up any sort of challenge. But it was it was a romp, an absolute romp of a 45 minutes. And I, I, and we, we worked for it. We put Motherwell absolutely in the smallest of boxes and then just played football round about them. Lovely to see. Delightful. Willie,
0: you would have to say again, very similar to the the, the Leon game, uh, Hadji and Eribo, um particularly impressive last night at Ibrox.
1: Yeah, look, it's a joy watching those guys when, you know, when the two of them are at it. Especially, Haji, to me, he's just got a bit of mercurial magic about him. You know, he just looks as though he could do anything off the cuff at any given time, a bit like Joe. Yeah. You get you want Haji's one of these guys. If he if he can focus on this whole season, he could be 15, 20, 25 goals. You know, he's just that kind of guy. You get the feeling that at times it might be too easy for him. Yeah. Because, I mean, you can see all the natural ability. Anybody that watched him play for Romania, you know, when he was standing out scoring, like the couple of goals he scored against England, I think it was. And some of the things he'd done in in his short loan spell before COVID kicked in. And even his couple of games so far this pre-season. I mean, the header, even the header, I mean, that's not really something you would probably think that Hyde would be particularly great at. But he got up perfectly. And it was a bullet past the goalkeeper. The goalkeeper had no chance. Some of his wee touches... The fact he kind of drifts in the middle of the pitch or he'll drift wide to get the ball. He's always looking for it. It'll be interesting because it seems to me that what I've seen so far this season is that Kent is kind of feeding off of Haji and the two of them seem to be striking up a decent wee relationship. Yeah, indeed. Also, um, Kent obviously was involved in the first goal and Leon with a lovely wee quick corner. Obviously, I, mean, I know at the end it was a wrong goal but he was obviously trying to find Haji. Yeah, You know, uh, I mean, Kent's a very good footballer and it's just getting the best of. See if we can get the best out of Ryan Kent and Haji this season in terms of the creativity, in terms of goals. That's the difference between winning and losing the league.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, last season, our defence was as good as Celtics last year.
0: Yeah.
1: But guys like Callum McGregor were scoring 10, 12 goals. You know, Ryan Christie was scoring that. We didn't have that. Yeah. The front. So, oh, so all these people that go on about, oh, we need this we need we don't. We just need guys to score more goals. And so, you know, if Hajduk can bring his fifteen goals, if Kent can get his ten goals, if Joriboe can get his ten or twelve goals, you know, if we go and another midfield player who can score goals, and he adds six or eight, and then you know, Tavo always scores eight, nine goals, whatever. You know, that's what's going to make the difference. You know, it's not about needing another five or six players. It's just about adding, I think I said the last time, it's adding that wee bit of extra creativity and the extra goals. And what we've shown in the first three plus the Hamilton game so far is that the creativity's there. You know, some of the goals we've scored are really well-worked goals. Borna, yet again, looks sharp.
2: He's crossed crossed for that Hadji. He's absolutely dynamite.
0: If, if he continues to do that with, with a degree of um, consistency this season, we will score some amount of goals from his delivery. It is, it is second to none in the game it's up like, here. I don't care what no says.
1: And I think that shows you when you talk about mentality and confidence, right? Bournemouth at the start of last season, I probably look like a better footballer than Bournemouth because his confidence <laughs> was as low as it's ever been. But then like that free kick against St Murm seemed to, like, Totally change his persona. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, does, his confidence came. Some of his runs, his moves, the, the you know the crosses into the box, and it's incredible that a player can change really off the back of maybe one or two small things. I'm not talking about a guy here that's a, that's like an average footballer. I'm talking about a guy that's a, a full Croatian international.
2: Yeah,
1: well, yeah, that's why we I mean, a mm-hmm. Is that,
2: that's what I need to do with this bunch. And that's the worry, I suppose. That's what I need to do with this bunch on the podcast. I need to soothe their egos. <laughs> I need to tell them they're all special just to get them on every week, mate. But sorry to interrupt there. You're absolutely right with your point about borner William. Absolutely right. Absolutely right.
1: I, I think, think I mean, for us this season, if we're we going to win a league title, which I believe this team is good enough to do, and I've openly said it enough times, yeah. see if people are at it more weeks than not. We've shown we can beat all the teams run about us. Yeah. And, you know, we've been to Celtic Park and one, we've been to Petaudry, we've been to Easter Road, we've won at these places, we've won at tough places. So when people start saying, oh, they're bottlers up, it's nonsense, it's about that level of consistency and having that extra bit of quality at times. And that's where Hadja comes in and possibly another one or two players that will come in or add that extra bit of quality. I mean, we showed it enough times last season, up until Christmas, nobody could argue that we were probably the best team in the country. Some of the football we were playing, the performance we put in at Easter Road was excellent. We went to Celtic Park, and even given how poor the officiating was that day, we still came away with three points. But yet we come back in January and looked like a team that was just lacking something. Whatever it was, we were just lacking that wee bit of something extra. And I think that's why the managers went out and made sure this summer that we got hygiene straight away and that we'll look to add that one or two extra quality players which obviously given the kind of things that's happened recently maybe with Hellander and Defoe that might mean a third or a fourth but in the main if everybody's fit it's just that extra one or two additions that will make the difference in my opinion
2: Yeah,
1: Just just,
2: just on the Hadji point and you know, I I agree and I know we'll talk about signings and all that either tonight or at a later date but just on that Hadji one, one of the things I really like about him is, I don't know about you guys but You sometimes get players that fall into one of either box, which is they are making the right runs. They're really intelligent that way, but they don't have the talent to do anything when they get into the good space. Or they've got really good finishing ability, but they don't know how to make the run. Haji appears to have both elements. He can both do something when he gets the ball in the right space, but he also is smart enough to be in the right space. Yeah. Really like his movement in that final part of the field. Um and weirdly enough, and I'm probably wildly off here, but there's something about him. You're talking about he's, you know, really good player, and all that. I don't like messing about with comparing sport sport to a different sport. But there's a I don't, when I watch him move, see when I watch him run, he looks like Roger Federer on a tennis court. Uh-huh. Calm, composed, knows exactly what he's doing, sure footed and capable of turning something like that. I think he's the I would go as far as to say he's the best technical footballer at the club,
0: and I don't think I, I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. I, th- I think he's. I I actually said on the the pod, um, Ellen, the season when we were talking about trying to bring him on a permanent basis. I I kind of felt that um, there was no one at the club who was equally as good with both feet, mm. um, and the the sort of footage if you if you're jumping onto YouTube or whatever as you're looking at to, to to sort of look at your your footage of footballers. Um, Hadji's ability either side is incredible absolutely Can you just take credit
2: for my point now? So. I think that,
0: so I think so I'm definitely going to take it um, I'm taking
2: an assist then at least I'm taking an assist
0: thing. So like, before we before we move on to what we think we maybe need for, for the coming season which incredibly starts a week on Saturday um, subject, uh, to
1: subject to St.
0: Merdan Subject yeah. to St. Merdan now of course absolutely um, the your Ebo goal was incredible last night was it not?
2: Yeah, well, I'll I'll happily you know I can t- I'll talk about Joe Arriba all night, uh, guys. Um, yeah, and I think we, we you know we're trying to distill it down really quickly, the movement, the build-ups, fantastic, and then you get into the box, right? And that quick thinking. So I think Alfie has a touch, and then steps to the side. He's maybe expecting it back. But then he doesn't. It goes further in. It then gets laid back into uh, Arriba's path. And a lot of people would have snatched at it, uh, And yeah. we were speaking about this earlier. He doesn't snatch at it first time and then it you know, goes through a forest of legs type of thing. What he does is he takes a touch, sends everybody one way, and then with that other foot, he's able to get it back in and then again sets himself really quickly. And his ability to move the ball swiftly and set himself, phenomenal. And then just with power, Strokes it right by the by the keeper, and it's have you actually watched the goal? Because I watched it back a couple of times. Yeah, he hits it. See the foot and all that, but he generates a hell of a good bit of power. Yeah. The keeper's are actually quite surprised, and it's by him, and it's in the back of the net. It's no wee scuffler uh, that runs through. Absolutely, can watch all that that kind of stuff all night. And I sense we will see a hell of a lot more of that, and yep. more import- throughout the season. And more importantly, when we play some of these teams again with those. Ultra packed defences. We need guys who can go by two and three people in the box. Yeah, get beyond. Yeah, it's going to be key for us. Really key.
0: Yep, yeah, agreed. One hundred percent. So, Willie, I want to ask you: We, you think we're missing from the squad going into the Aberdeen game next week? What do we? What do you think we need to? To almost say we've got a pool, we've got a squad, we'll go with that, and we can really, we can ultimately win the league this season.
1: I think the first 11 in a lot of ways picks itself. You know, I, I think most people probably now could probably get a pen and a bat of paper and mark down the 11 that will start against Aberdeen unless yeah. something happened major. To me, if everybody's fit, it's McGregor, Tavernier, Highlander, Goldson, Barisic. I think they might feel free pick themselves at the moment. I think it's Kamara, Ryan Jack and Aribo. Then it's Haji, Kent and Morelos. Some people will say maybe that's hard on Edmondson, it's maybe harsh on Davis or whatever. But I think that is the best eleven that we have available when everybody's fit. Yeah. And if you've got like obviously we would all love to have Nico, because Nico would be a great backup to have in defense. And then you could have Nathan Patterson as a backup fullback, as well as Bassey, who can obviously cover a couple of positions. At the moment, due to the injuries, you would imagine the manager's probably looking for another centre back now because if Hellander can't find any fitness or game time before our team, the manager's going to be concerned. Yeah. Because the season starts quickly and then the European games start quickly and then the cup starts, and we really can't probably just be going in with Edmondson, Goldson. Probably Lewis Mayo and Bassey and maybe Ross McCroney So there's
2: Sorry, just a wee bit to that because I think you're absolutely right. Just, just specifically on that, I certainly don't think. Um, so I'm I'm in agreement with you. Golson and Hairlander's the the preferred centre back pairing, but there's no way if Hairlander doesn't get some serious minutes, which I doubt he will, that he'll get. He won't get pitched in as no. his first game being no the Aberdeen game at Patondri. No no absolutely, chance. it'll be it'll be Edmondson.
1: yeah look the concern with that is obviously the big man's obviously played very limited amount of games
2: yeah
1: and like nobody the only good time about going to Petardia is there's not going to be any fans inside the stadium so he's not going to get caught everything under the sun he's not going to be getting abused you know there's not going to be any intimidation playing inside an empty stadium so that's the one good thing for the players but I guess the worry would be the Aberdeen are going to come out of the blocks let's be honest we know how Aberdeen are going to play against us Derek McInnes plays a very, very simple style of football against us mm. and it's almost as though he's waiting for us to make a mistake. I, and that's okay. where they punish us. So that's what he'll be looking for. And George Edmondson, at times it has to be said, isn't the best on the ball. And if he was to give away one or two chances and it only takes him to go one nothing up and then you know what they do. They go four five one and they kill the game and we've seen it at Ibrox, we've seen it at Petaudry they just kill the game. And it's yeah,
2: so I'm difficult
1: to put that up. You know? So I mean I just think it's it's massively important we get the first goal. Yeah, I, we get go the first goal. It opens the game up. It allows us to then use the squad. You know, if you get a couple of goals up, you can bring on Davis, you can bring on Scott Arfield, you can bring on the fresh legs, knowing that in three or four days' time you're potentially going to Germany. Because yeah. we've all need to utilize the squad early doors. We can't expect the same 11 loving guys to play the first four,
0: five, six games. It's just not gonna happen. Yeah. My, breakdown. my my worry for the, the the first sort of league game just now is um dependent on how, how long Hellander's gonna be out for. I'm a great believer in your two centre halves. You should have one right sided centre half and one yeah. left sided centre half. Edmondson, I absolutely agree with you, Willie. I he's he's ball distribution is never too clever, I I often feel. He ain't a left footed player as well. And I think when when Helander has played there, you've you've seen a, a defined balance right across the back four. All you need is one person in there and and you can it's quite obvious there's a there's a, a disconnect, if you like. So I'd be keen for um for Hellander to get fit as, as possible, needless to say. Yeah. Um but I think Edmondson will need a bit of protection if he's if he's starting at Petodrey. Uh, next weekend, Tommy.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, I just, uh, yeah. Don't disagree with anything you guys you guys are saying there. I think out of the the squad that's there, Evans seems like he would get the nod to be in say so uh, in next to to Goldstein if Herlander can't make it. And I think the weight is probably against Herlander being fit enough to be pitched into the uh, Pottodry game as his first game. You, you don't want to do that. Given everything that's at stake, Rangers need to come out the blocks getting three points at the start of the season as well and putting down a wee marker. So it could be I uh, Edmondson and I thought this a wee bit at the the Motherwell friendly. Just once or twice he dawdled on the ball as well, and some of his distribution gave away a couple of chances. Now he's good on the recovery, but you can only get away with that for so long. And as William and yourself both touched on, we've seen it as it's absolutely key to get the first goal against Aberdeen because they are forced to open up, which isn't natural for them. They don't yeah. particularly like it, uh, and then that gets us back to what we're talking about, which is in that transition and you know, all that kind of good coaching chat. But more, you know, more importantly for the layman like me, you know, as they come out of their shell, we get into theirs and you get guys like Morelos, Aribo, Haji, Kent exposing them balls over the top because Aberdeen love that deep back line. Uh, you know, if we can expose that, your bang goals in against them. But you need to prize them open first, which is why that first goal is key. Um, none of which I think was the question, but um, aye, there you go. I, I,
0: I, I like the way you brought up goals there. We've obviously got the the possibility Jermaine Germain Defoe looking at a, a bit of a a layout, taking into account his age and perhaps the the nature of the injury, would suggest to me that Stephen Gerrard's going to need to bring in a striker. Assuming he doesn't see anyone who is good enough in the B team to step up, um, does he go to does he go to a, a Livingston and look at Lyndon Dykes, or does he cast his net further afield and maybe look to bring in a loan deal from down south, Willie?
1: I suppose the problem you've got at the moment, if it ends up in the papers, how long Defoe is out for? These clubs have got you bent over a barrel, yeah. especially with somebody like Dykes or somebody like Canberry. He was. I mean these clubs you say, Well, look, obviously we know you need this guy and we know you need him now. Yeah. Instead of two hundred grand, it's now four hundred grand. Yeah. And the club are almost kinda you know that they do not really do much about it. Yeah. Because obviously the English leagues have just finished. And a lot of these guys at Rangers would maybe be looking at might want to get away for seven days or ten days. You know, they might not want to just fly straight up to Scotland and then have to play. Yeah. And this is the problem the club have got, they're in a really difficult position and that injury to Defoe and the injury to Katich, it just makes things so much more difficult. The marketplace at the moment, it's just kind of starting to open the gates. You know, we've got until whatever it is, was it like the 5th of October or something they're talking about? Uh, something like that, long well, I mean, period of time. are to be in any rush to let anybody go. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, you're sort of fighting against the tide almost. It's different with Bassey and McLaughlin, The free transfers, they've left their club. And behind you, we already obviously had something roughly in place for that deal. Yeah. But it's alright guys saying, oh, he's an earth striker, let's just go and pay the money. It's like, well, that's not really how it should be. You know, I dare say the manager's got a list of maybe two or three guys that he would really like. Whether it was you know, Vidra to Burnley, whether it's you know, Ruth Fiandalik. These clubs will know now that the folk could potentially be out for a period, and they're thinking, "Well, you know what? It's going to be a wee bit more difficult." This conversation we're about to have over the contract and about this, you know, and it's it's difficult enough if, if your main is out for four, six weeks. The boss probably going to have to bite the bullet and possibly end up having to overpay for somebody, just in the short term, because if Alfie was to go and do something daft at Padraig and miss three games there's
0: yeah. really only Greg Stewart there really. I was I was going to come to Morelos next I think if if the if foe misses 46 weeks um, which it may be may not be we don't know yet um, it puts a huge amount of pressure on, on Morelos to to really hit the ground running yeah
1: possibly
0: not do anything stupid but from a board of directors point of view it just means we simply can't sell him yeah. Tommy
2: yeah yeah, absolutely again you guys, you know, cycled through a lot of the a lot of the main points uh, that I was you know I was thinking about as well. So you've got that predication on Morelos hitting the ground running and, and banging in goals. You've got the point that uh, I think William had made earlier as well, that you need the rest of the squad, some of these guys like Hajji and Aribo to step in with goals. We need to get a spread, um, which helps cover some of that. Um putting aside some of the concerns about Jermaine Defoe himself now. That age, thirty-seven, hamstring, forty-six weeks at the beginning of the season, he's going to be playing catch-up for the rest of the season, certainly until Christmas, fitness-wise, maybe. Um, considering he's not a regular starter of games as well, it's going to be really hard for him coming off the bench and stuff like that. So he's going to—he's in a really difficult position if that's a bad, a bad, well, bad hamstring injury. Then you also need to look at as we throw in the names of, um, and I will put all the money thing aside because we've touched that. Yeah, clubs do have his over a barrel in exchange, like right? And that's where you're looking to get Ross Wilson, earn some corn to Be able to go in and say, Actually, I can do a deal here and maybe get a loan. Yeah, Uh, the reason why I referenced some of the names that we're talking about in terms of Lyndon Dykes, Kmart Roof, all these types of in the Matthias feeder, I think is it? Um, uh, is the fact that there's two questions in there. Well, there's two things in there. There's one, there's replacing. uh, Well, I think we're already going to go for another striker anyway, right? And that might be impacted if Alfie leaves if a deal, if a uh, bid comes in from the we can't turn down so we're already in the market for that and i i think i've said previously if you're going for a Kmart roof and stuff like that these guys aren't coming to be a bit part they're coming with the expectation that they own the jersey so something in that but also as we look at it now what we need to ask ourselves or what steven gerrard his coaching team and our analytics team will be asking themselves is as we throw the names out London dykes and all that actually are you wanting all of that which is something different but are you also going to replace the type of player that Jermaine Defoe is? Because a Linden Dykes aren't a Jermaine Defoe. a Kmart Roof isn't a Jermaine Defoe. Are you saying, I wanted a Jermaine Defoe type, a kind of box predator, experienced in my squad. Do I need to replace that? And do I need to get that other option, your Linden Dykes, your k Roof, whatever? And then that's me get the spread of the three things that I really wanted in my squad. My bulldozer with real talent, Morelos my number one guy my experienced predator seen it all done it all knows how to get goals My Jermaine Defoe and then my rougher up do something different my Linden Dykes right so if Jermaine Defoe's out for a long while and that's going to be a hangover you need to replace that as well and you need to get the the um the option c the Linden Dykes thing so that's maybe what the board are wrestling with as well yeah
0: listen great stuff that just about wraps it up um, for us tonight guys, typically uh, with the the new football season uh, approaching us it's time to do your your fantasy football leagues and uh, This is Ibrox have created a league alongside our good friends with the guys that run the fantasy football Scotland league Um ironically enough FFS <laughs> the chances um So I'd urge you all to, to download um the FFS app via your usual um, mediums And uh, submit your team uh, All the guys In, in the Cybrox team have, have submitted A team in there uh, My team looks Particularly decent However I did Indicate to the guys Earlier on I've collected I've selected rather Stevie Mallon And Scott Allen Which um, Which got a bit of a stick To be honest Um He's so, getting On Twitter And <laughs>
2: uh,
0: dogs abuse it's At Scotty Patterson Six You're welcome um, So Willie Thanks for joining us again tonight. I uh, really appreciate your your input. And as always, um, you're absolutely welcome anytime to come and join us again.
1: Pleasure, guys. Thanks very much.
0: And Tommy, you and I will speak again next week. hope you have a cracking
2: week, my friend.
1: Yeah, absolute pleasure. Always, always is. Thank to you.
3: How does the offer a free beer sound? Well, all you we need to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash this is Ibrox and cover just five ninety five for the postage and you'll get your first case of 8 globally sourced, fresh as can be, craft beers delivered right to your doorstep. You can be sipping 8 totally different craft beers, sourced and curated by the good folks at Beer52. Not only that, but they'll drop it right at your door so you don't even need to leave your house. If you're looking to stock up on beer, now's your chance. Since 2014, Beer52 have been on a quest to find the best beer money you can buy anywhere on the planet. They are now the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. Each month, they send a case of craft beer from a different part of the world. Recent cases have included beer from the Alps, New Zealand, the USA, Ireland, Korea and Germany. If you're looking to stock up or just fancy trying something different, then Beer 52's Craft Beer Discovery Club is for you. If you do change your mind, you can pause or cancel your account anytime you like. And also for every listener and viewer who signs up to Beer 52 using promo code, this is Ibrooks, you will be helping support the club we all love. So just go to beer52.com forward slash this is iBrooks to get your first case of eight beers for five ninety five. That's www.beer52.com forward slash this is iBrooks. Thank you for your continued support.